0: Welcome to the American Studies and History Podcast. I'm Dr. R. Reid, and today we'll be looking at Disney's problematic box office disappointment, The Lone Ranger. Specifically, I want to explore the ways in which racism and stereotyping are used in this film. Accusations of racism have been levelled at The Lone Ranger since before it came out, and Johnny Depp, the film's headline star, recently accused critics of reviewing the film based upon their preconceptions. Those preconceptions were informed by the film's heavy creative link to the Pirates of the Caribbean series, the movie's budget and production issues, and the apparently odd choice of casting Johnny Depp as Lone Ranger sidekick, Tonto. The film, for what it's worth, reminiscent of Michael Caine's and Ben Kingsley's Sherlock Holmes spoof, Without a Clue, and the more recent Seth Rogen vehicle, The Green Hornet. If you've ever seen either of those films, you'll know that they involved the recasting of the canonical hero into something of a bumbling, out-of-their-depth caricature, who over the course of the film comes to somewhat resemble the more resourceful original character. Taking a similar approach, The Lone Ranger is clearly something of a spiritual follow-up to the silly Pirates of the Caribbean movies, but unlike those films, this movie's choice of historic context and cast has brought with it a litany of problems, some of which it inherited and some of which it created through ignorance or sheer bravado. According to the film's producer, Jerry Bruckheimer, it was The Lone Ranger's budget rather than the film itself, which attracted the negative publicity which marred its launch. Honestly, I don't think that either Depp or Bruckheimer have a realistic grasp on the movie they produced and the legitimate issues that surround it. The Lone Ranger is plagued by passive racist attitudes and disingenuous stereotypes which stand apart from the petty issues cited by the film's star and producer. As you might imagine, This episode of the podcast is likely to contain spoilers and though I've made every effort to keep them mild, if you haven't seen the film yet and if you don't want to learn what happens in it, I would hold off on this episode until you've seen the movie. If you have seen the film or if you don't mind me spoiling the plot, then by all means, let's continue. Race can be a highly emotional subject and I think that it is important that we try to define what it means before going any further. As good a grasp of the concept of racism as you no doubt have, other people may hold a contradictory definition to your own. I say that having taught for many years at a couple of really great universities, and though my students are, of course, wonderful, I can attest that there's no one definition which they've all shared, and it seems to me that that situation can lead to confusion and cross wires. And in a discussion as important as racism in modern cinema, we need to take that into account. Also, if some of the discussion surrounding Quentin Tarantino's Django Unchained is anything to go by, this term needs to be defined. So for the sake of clarity, let's actually define what we mean when we use the words racism and racist. At its broadest, racism describes a worldview in which a person divides humanity into different categories based upon some perceived difference, often physical, other than gender. Now, the main problem with that view is that there is no scientific basis upon which the human species can or indeed should, be divided along racial lines. To put that another way, there's no such thing as race, and the belief to the contrary could be defined as racism. Someone may have a different skin colour than you, but that does not make them a member of a different race, simply have a different skin colour. Whatever values, assumptions or ideas are projected onto a so-called race is a willing, if not necessarily conscious, act. Biologically speaking, race does not exist, and therefore the projection of assumed values onto a group of people who are characterised as a race is, broadly speaking, a racist act. This is not necessarily the definition of racism you might have had in mind, and indeed there are people who identify different races who would take great offence at being labelled as racist. That's because the word itself is pejorative, it contains a highly negative implication, and few people enjoy having that label applied to them. In many cases it seems the word racist and racism are linked to the expression of harmful or obviously negative attitudes. That is not, however, strictly the case. Stereotyping can play a big role in how a given quote-unquote race is identified by outsiders. Presumed characteristics, interests and modes of life can be used to provide an assumed background about a people which is not obviously harmful or negative. Still, in projecting such ideas, a broad group of people is being unfairly tarred with the same brush. Not only that, but seemingly benign stereotypes can have a negative impact upon the communities they supposedly depict. It might be difficult for someone outside of a given community to understand why that is the case, but a lack of understanding does not excuse the continuation of that act. So how then are we to deal with the Lone Ranger? But well, for the purpose of this discussion, I want to define racism as being two things. First, the movie must appear to identify one group as a separate and distinct race. And secondly, it must project onto that group a set of assumed characteristics, ideas, or stereotypes. They do not necessarily have to be negative. We don't need to see the Indians depicted as they were in the 19th century, for example. But assumed values across a broad population must be present. To illustrate this, I want to briefly talk to you about Disney's A Song of the South, a mixed live-action and animated film from 1946, which has never been given a full DVD, VHS or Blu-ray release in the United States. The reason that you cannot watch that film at home is that its content is seen as inappropriate and racist, though to some modern audiences not well-versed in the broader history of the American Civil War, it might well seem reasonably tame. If you haven't seen the film, understand that it does not depict scenes of brutality, nor does it use highly negative words to describe its African-American characters. Instead, it depicts the rather idyllic lives of those who lived on a plantation during the Reconstruction era, the period which immediately followed the Civil War. The depiction in this film complements and reinforces arguments made before and after the war, which were meant to excuse or disguise the realities of racism. In particular... It paints a picture in which benign, parent-like, white plantation owners interact in a happy, convivial way with the black sharecroppers who live on their land. It shows African Americans who are happy and content in a world which appears to serve all of their needs. In reality, this was the period that saw the rise of the KKK and a long campaign of violence and terror against the black population in much of the American South. As far as I can remember, and please bear in mind that this film is not widely available... A Song of the South does not paint any African-American characters in an overtly negative light. Instead, they are happy and content, as are the plantation owners, and that is what makes this film so problematic. It paints a picture which suggests that life in the American South was defined by peaceful cooperation, not violence and coercion. The African-American characters in this film are little more than walking stereotypes, happy and content with their lot, And that is the type of racism one is most likely to encounter in modern Hollywood, and in particular, the productions of Disney. Old biases and outmoded ideas, not direct hostility or open disdain. So with that in mind, we should remember when watching The Lone Ranger that racism is not just about obscene nicknames, forced labour or the very nastiest aspects of the human condition. Although that may seem like an obvious statement to some of you, please bear in mind that it was the expression of all of those things that made Django Unchained the centre of an ill-informed debate over whether or not that film was racist. For the record, it was not. Having characters use offensive words which were accurate to the period, whilst depicting the worst aspects of racism and slavery, are not, in and of themselves, racist acts. On the contrary, Tarantino's choice to depict those things was a very deliberate attempt to show how profoundly awful he finds racism to be. That was almost the exact opposite approach taken by Disney when they made A Song of the South*, wherein the characters acted in a way which completely ignored any negative implications of the period in which it was set. Racism in film then is not necessarily about what is seen or said, but often about what is implied and that is something that you should think about as you watch The Lone Ranger. Before going any further, I think it's important to point out that the filmmakers behind The Lone Ranger have almost certainly thought about and discussed the potential implications of their film. Indeed, there's plenty of evidence in this movie which shows that the creative team have at least tried to deal with the implications of their film's setting and cast of characters. At times, The Lone Ranger is almost slavish in its attempts to deal with the Indians in a fair and meaningful way. That it fails so badly in that task is, I think telling. The main issue, I believe, comes down to a complete lack of clarity among those who made this movie regarding their own view on what this film was meant to achieve in that regard. On the one hand, the film makes direct reference to the unfolding disaster afflicting the Western tribes, whilst apparently shining a light of culpability upon the American government, big business, and, to some extent at least, the people of the United States On the other hand, The Lone Ranger's lead Indian character, Tonto, is such an amalgamation of outdated stereotypes that it hardly seems possible that any attention at all has been given to the racial subtext of this film. And yet, consider the opening scene in which an elderly Tonto is literally depicted as a museum piece, a man who apparently spends his time standing in front of a fake teepee at a circus for young Western fans to gawk at. That scene, that image, says something about the filmmakers and their view of the Indians. It even hints at some degree of sophistication on their part. But this movie, at almost every turn, does everything it can to undo whatever positive good it may have achieved. I don't want to be misunderstood, so please understand that I am not saying that every Western movie has to deal with deep and weighty issues. But even if we set aside all of the reasons why that is not the case for this movie... The fact that it went through such lengths to deliver such vivid imagery tells us that this is a film which is meant to make a meaningful comment. This is a film which aspires to be more than it may appear. To give you a bit more background, in case you haven't seen the film, the movie is framed by a conversation between an elderly Tonto, who, as I've already mentioned, appears to spend most of his time as part of a traveling museum, and a young boy wearing a Lone Ranger costume. Every so often, the film will cut back to the framing device, though usually these transitions add little to the main story. The last cut in the film, however, bucks that trend by being even more symbolic than Depp's first appearance. In this last scene, Tonto is now wearing a modern suit of clothes, and is finishing the act of dressing. In that scene we see an aged and decrepit Indian, who is depicted as a literal monument to a bygone era, draping himself in modern clothing, assimilating himself before our very eyes. That this scene bookends the movie with the first shot of Depp as a museum exhibit tells the audience an implied story which is not dealt with in the main narrative. This is thoughtful filmmaking, and the imagery employed here is obvious and subtle, dramatic and quietly compelling. It was not something that was added, so that audiences could behold Johnny Depp made up to look like an elderly man. Those scenes are designed, and very well I might add, to achieve a very particular set of goals. They tell a story, a tragedy, which serves as an unspoken epilogue to the narrative proper. At its best, which these scenes are, the Lone Ranger makes some big, even bold overtures towards some deep issues. At its worst, however, it undoes it all. Close to about an hour into the film, the audience is treated to a wonderfully subversive set of images. The scene appears to depict an Indian attack upon an isolated farmstead. In the distance, a scout is seen on a hill surveying the land below, and when the attackers arrive they encircle the cabin in a way that will be instantly recognisable to fans of old western movies. This scene is not, however, what it appears to be, the attackers in question being a non-Indian outlaw band led by the film's non-Indian antagonist. This is good filmmaking that shows that the people responsible for this movie have thought about the issue of stereotyping. They take inaccurate tropes, from the established Western genre, throw them at the audience, and then subvert their expectations in a really effective protest against stereotyping. Like the image of Depp arraying himself in a modern, assimilated guise, this scene is good stuff. It was made, I suspect, with the best of intentions, perhaps like most of the film, and it is executed well. Bravo! Unfortunately, what follows this scene undermines all of this effort. Following the attack, we see our protagonists face off over the crime, with Tonto adamant that it was not the Indians who committed it, whilst Army Harmer's lone ranger, John Reed, seems unwilling or unable to believe that it could have been anyone else. The issue is in the way in which Tonto presents himself, i.e. full of stereotypes that are played up and built upon rather than subverted. Following a brief brawl, Tonto, in an attempt to intimidate Reed, tells him that Indians like Coyote... Indians kill and leave nothing to waste, end quote. Aside from the speech pattern mirroring the very problematic one that was used by Jay Silverheels in the 1950s, the content of that sentence plays upon the widespread and grossly oversimplified idea that the Indians left nothing to waste when they hunted the buffalo. The adage, which I've heard numerous times and in numerous different contexts, goes something like, the Indians used every part of the animal. The issue is that the audience is being asked to draw upon a stereotype as their frame of reference and that that stereotype is being reinforced by the movie rather than challenged by it. Between the way Tonto speaks and the words that come out of his mouth the film is assaulting its audience with a range of unchecked unfair stereotypes. At times this film does make a genuine effort to challenge pre-existing inaccurate ideas but evidently when it suits their needs filmmakers are just as happy to run with whatever stereotypes they feel like using. Okay, so let's set aside that issue for a moment, and just for the sake of argument, give it a free pass so we can move on, and consider something else about Tonto's little speech in this scene. What exactly is he implying? That he or his fellows will devour their enemy whole? This is lowest common denominator stuff. On the one hand, his words reference a fairly benign stereotype. But the threat he issues plays into a much more problematic idea that the Indians were particularly violent or that they were, as the white characters in this film insist on calling them, savages. Is the outdated image of the ultra-violent Indian really one of the core messages the filmmakers wanted to communicate with this movie? They had just staged a set piece designed to show the danger of making assumptions based upon stereotypes and then immediately followed it up with their own form of stereotyping. By the way, I should add that when Reed and Tonto discover one of the fake Indians who attacked the homestead, his face is crudely painted black in an attempt to pull off a rather clumsy interracial disguise. To this sight, Tonto, apparently free of irony, comments that he is, I quote, not an Indian. I bet the character of Tonto, even as he's portrayed in this movie, would have been offended by the sight of such a crude costume. How could no one who was involved in the making of this film realise the irony of having Tonto, as he is in this movie, wearing the makeup he is wearing, say such a line about such a character? A small part of me wants to make the argument that this is a clumsily executed, double-down, self-facing reference, but based upon the rest of Tonto's dialogue in that scene, how he's handled in the rest of the movie, and the film's general attitude, I just can't make a case for that. Up to this point, we've seen Depp eat peanuts while still in a shell, talk to a horse, engage in sublimely clumsy combat and stunt work, and wear a dead crow in his hair, which he insists upon feeding. Also, I should add that he appears to turn himself into that crow in the last shot of the movie, an unsubtle reference to the stereotype that Native Americans are somehow intrinsically connected to the natural and supernatural worlds. Of course, most of the white characters have been shown with few, if any, redeeming qualities of their own. They've heckled Tonto, formed into a mob to chase him out of town, imprisoned him, framed the Comanche in order to bring in the military, to clear them off of their lands, and generally shown the very ugliest side of themselves. But even with all of that, Tonto still comes across as a ridiculous collection of mid-20th century stereotypes. What's worse is that this appears to have been the objective of the filmmakers. The script, direction, makeup design, acting, everything reinforces this idea. Of course, this is not the mid-20th century, and the undertones of white atrocity are at least present and correct. But at its heart, Johnny Depp's Tonto treats the Indians in a way that is no better than the way Disney treated that same people in 1953, when they released the animated classic Peter Pan. If you don't know what I'm talking about, search on YouTube for a clip called What Made the Red Man Red. It is the musical number which accompanies Peter and his friend's visit to an Indian town and you know what, there is a whole episode on that debacle which I'll save for another day. Just listen to the name of the musical number which defines that scene. What made the Red Man Red? And ask yourself when you see this film if The Lone Ranger isn't asking that same nonsensical question. It's a shame really because this movie does self-consciously try to tackle the ideas and crimes it seems intent on committing itself. When the white characters show their anti-Indian attitudes, express their own stereotypical views, or generally interact with Tonto, they're portrayed in such a way as to have an effect on the viewer. They shine a spotlight on racism in a way that wouldn't have been out of place in a movie like Django Unchained. They're an uncompromising, uncomfortable portrait, which serves to raise a range of questions, which might even have succeeded in making the audience think about the historic period in which this movie is ostensibly set. And yet, there's Johnny Depp's Tonto, always there to undermine whatever form of subtlety or nuance this film might have otherwise established. I want to be clear that I don't think this is all Johnny Depp's fault. He didn't write the script, didn't direct, or anything like that. Instead, I think it's a collaborative failure on a massive scale. At the very least, it is a huge collaborative misjudgment. It's also completely frustrating, because when this movie gets close to the mark, it all but nails it. At its heart, the Lone Ranger is a film in which the role of racism towards the Indians plays an essential part. It is a constant subtext. Even John Reed's dealings with Tonto, at least through the first half of the movie, are guided by his prejudices. The filmmakers shine a light on Reed's conflicted worldview and his underlying biases are exposed by his growing frustration with Tonto, particularly after his brother's wife is kidnapped. As Reed is probably the one truly sympathetic character in this film, he is the one with whom audiences are most likely to relate, and the exposure of his own limitations, in effect, shine a light in the eyes of the audience. Or perhaps it shines a light on the implied audience of the original radio and TV series, who experience and express loaded views about the Indians, far more frequently and openly than their descendants. If that's the case, scenes like those where Reed confronts Tonto in the desert, frustrated by having apparently lost the antagonist's trail, should serve to bring this underlying subtext to the fore, giving it a rare but important moment to breathe between action set pieces. It even happens a couple of times. Several of Reed's and Tonto's conversations hit the right notes and hint towards an awareness of some deeper issues, but more than anything else, these scenes mainly serve to shine a light on the movie's own failings. It simultaneously preaches against stereotypes, even as it reinforces them, and that is a real, real issue. About an hour and a half into the movie, Reed and Tonto fall into the hands of the Comanche. Despite Tonto being a member of that tribe, the pair's welcome is not a warm one. As Chief Big Bear explains to Reed, Tonto's mind is broken. End quote. What follows is a flashback sequence, which finally places Tonto into some broader context, free of the slapstick routine which has defined him up to that point. Whereas he had previously been an erratic eccentric, he was now recast as a traumatised survivor, plagued by guilt over his actions as a boy. If that sounds vaguely familiar, it's probably because this scene is basically the same flashback framework that was used to develop Depp's character in his last Disney hit, Alice in Wonderland. Almost, this scene succeeds in recasting Depp's prior antics entirely. It could have been a well-executed character twist that added no lack of depth to Tonto. True to form, however... The filmmakers are too committed to cheap and easy laughs to follow through on such an idea. Tonto might well have been suffering some form of trauma that might explain his eccentricities and even the stereotypes which he plays into, but the Comanche chief then engages in the same type of playful banter and follow-through actions which help to define Depp's caricature. When Reed asks Big Bear if he's free to go, after having made a pretty compelling case for why that should be, Big Bear replies simply, not so much, before the camera cuts to show Reed and Tonto buried up to their necks in the sand. It's a reasonably effective side gag, but it paints Big Bear in many of the same shades as Tonto. If Tonto really was a quote-unquote man apart, as the Chief says he is, that separation is far from complete. Tonto is a Comanche, and the Comanche in this film reflect that similarity. The Comanche scene might well have been the moment that set Tonto apart, allowing him to be judged solely as an individual, but it fails to divorce the tribe from Depp's decision to play a whimsical character with a clumsy, almost childlike approach to dealing with the world. Had this scene not pandered to the movie's need to constantly engage in Iron Man style banter and comic interplay, it could have fundamentally recast Tonto and the way this film dealt with the Indians in general. Instead, This scene plays to cheap comic relief in such a way as to undermine its own purpose, making irrelevant the points that it tries to drive home. As I've said several times already, this is a great shame, because there was potential here for a light-hearted action comedy which dealt with its characters and its difficult legacy in an appropriate way, which would have worked for the genre. Instead, as the film continues, it becomes increasingly obvious that any real or meaningful understanding of this period, and its troubling legacy, It's beyond the filmmakers. Late in the film, there is a scene in which the US Army opens fire on the Comanche with rifle and machine gun. It is harrowing, blunt and effective. But more than anything else, it is basically a carbon copy of the finale from Tom Cruise's The Last Samurai. In fact, that comparison is particularly apt, as it highlights just how interchangeable Hollywood sees historic cultures that don't easily fit into our Western world view. This isn't a film about the Comanche or even the Indians. It is a film about opposition to the forces of modernity, one of the great, overdone cliches of modern Hollywood. And it's frequently expressed through the destruction of Aboriginal or Indigenous societies, which are depicted via a number of well-worn tropes. The Indians in this movie are, in short, nothing more than a plot device. They appear in this movie primarily to advance the story, to highlight evil's modernity, and to provide some much-needed backup in the last act. The filmmakers do pay some attention to the historic situation faced by the Indians and the implications that situation raises for modern America, but in this film they are inconsistent, of secondary importance, and, at best, are constantly undermined by Depp's posturing, flailing, ridiculous performance and the script's insistence that whenever it successfully creates a poignant or emotional moment, that it undermines it with some visual or dialogue-driven gag. Though no doubt unintentional, Johnny Depp does for American Indians what the Sambo image did for African Americans. And what's truly spectacular about that achievement is that it occurred in 2013 at the hands of the same company responsible for what made The Red Man Red and A Song of the South. Now, I want to be clear. I do not believe that a Lone Ranger movie has to present some serious discussion on the history of America's First Nations. I do not believe that action comedy is an inherently inappropriate genre for this type of film, but I definitely feel that this movie handled itself and the subject matter which it chose to engage with in a completely misguided way which serves to enforce ridiculous and even harmful stereotypes. Having released a short film exploring how racism manifested itself in the earliest comic books on YouTube, I've been exposed to the notorious debates and trolling that discussions of race seem to generate on that site. Just recently, Cheerios had to disable the comment section on the YouTube page for their newest advert, simply because the family depicted in the commercial were interracial. Whilst my own videos haven't generated quite that level of controversy, I can assume that based upon my own experiences on that site, as well as a broader discussion in the media about life in the YouTube comment threads, that a certain portion of the people listening to this podcast may choose to argue that Tonto is merely a reimagining of a classic character and that his depiction here is perfectly consistent with earlier portrayals and thus is somehow validated. Such an argument would imply, if it didn't say it outright, that the way Tonto acts in this movie is rooted in a pop culture tradition which should be protected and preserved. In short, it should be perfectly acceptable, according to such an argument, to have Tonto depicted in the way he is in this film. Political correctness gone mad is the phrase which may or may not be leveraged in the support of such an argument, or to criticise views to the contrary. As you can probably guess, I would disagree completely with that position. Whatever Tonto was in the 1930s, 40s and 50s, we need to remember that it's currently the 2010s and whatever the origins of a given character, we cannot and should not apply ideas about what is acceptable with regards to race from that period onto this one. The character of Tonto was intrinsically stereotypical when he was created, and transposing him from those decades to this one is a process which demands change and some degree of sensitivity. This is required because the stereotypes of the past were and are harmful forces, which shape how we think about other people, what they are and what we think they should aspire to be. Consider this. When was the last time a Native American character appeared in a major Hollywood movie, where his or her ethnicity, was completely unimportant to the plot or their character. In almost every example I can think of, every American Indian character that has appeared in a major production has had at least some of their personality or narrative art defined by or linked to the fact that they are Native Americans. This is a problem which also affects others, though not always in the same way and not always in the same near-definite manner. African-American characters are oftentimes defined by a filmmaker's idea of race, but there are plenty of examples of black characters whose skin leaves no visible mark upon a given film's narrative. In contrast, American Indians tend to be pushed to the sidelines, their appearances occurring only where necessary and only where a film can make some use of their ethnicity in some way. In the world of television, that rule isn't quite so rigidly applied. I'm thinking specifically of the character Chakotay in Star Trek Voyager, though even he had at least one episode in which he took his captain on a spirit walk. Lest we forget, he also wore a full tribal tattoo which covered about a quarter of his face. His ethnicity may have been rarely mentioned, but even in that example, the audience was not allowed to forget that he was a Native American. The Lone Ranger, then, entered a cinematic landscape in which it took on the mantle of representing an underrepresented and neglected population. That it was meant to be a light-hearted summer blockbuster, not a deep meditation on the state of Native American history, does not excuse it from that responsibility, because it took it on voluntarily. The filmmakers did not have to feature Tonto. When was the last time you saw a costumed Robin in a Batman movie? But they chose to do just that, and that decision carried with it certain responsibilities and implications. But, one might argue, cutting Tonto out of The Lone Ranger is almost unimaginable. Well, in that case, the name, The Lone Ranger, was a very poor choice to begin with, wasn't it? But, setting that aside, let's consider something else. Tonto could have and should have been altered. The filmmakers should have given much fuller consideration to the cinematic and pop culture landscape which they were voluntarily entering and they should have used that reality in order to innovate, to create, to adapt and to present something new from the old which was exciting and relevant for modern audiences. Tonto could have and should have been altered. The realities of choosing to have a character like Tonto featured in a movie in 2013 should not have been a barrier to further creativity. It should have been the springboard from which the filmmakers moved the character forward. There are many potential ways Tonto could have been approached or adapted, and most of them would not have taken this movie off of its original course. By creating a non-stereotyped Indian character, the filmmakers would not have undermined the movie's stated purpose, that's creating an action comedy, nor would it have resulted in a film dominated by attempts to appear quote-unquote politically correct. Tonto and the reality of life in 2013 are not incompatible. That the Tonto we did get is so incompatible with today's world reflects a significant creative failure on the part of the filmmakers. Tonto was never an insurmountable obstacle. In fact, he was probably one of the biggest missed opportunities in the past decade of cinema. He could have been so much, but what we received was far too little Spent in all of the wrong places. Thanks for listening to this episode of the podcast. Please visit my website at www.darrenreadhistory.co.uk or follow me on Twitter at That historian. See you next time.